This is the podcast for anyone who's interested in growing sales. Today's episode of Let's Talk Sales is brought to you by our ebook, Being a Grateful Leader. In it, you'll discover the personal, professional, and even medical benefits of gratitude and how you can practice gratitude as a leader. Make sure to download a copy today. You can find it in the notes for today's show at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 280. Somehow we have hit episode 280. I don't know how. <laughs> this is Elizabeth Frederick, and I am really excited about today's guest. And I know all of you listeners will be too. She is the human connection expert. She was actually named one of 100 global thought leaders by Hay House. She's also a really prolific speaker, and she's a leadership development consultant. And you might have seen her because she has been a frequent guest on networks including CNN, NBC, ABC, CBS. Basically, if you've heard of a network, she's been there. And she's contributed to publications including Fast Company, CNN, and The Huffington Post. So she's definitely um, out there. And she is also a fellow New Yorker, which is always fun for me. So we're so glad to have you here. Welcome to the show, Holland Haas. Hi, Elizabeth. Thanks for having me, and congratulations on that podcast number. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> it's so fun, and it's just like the, the tiniest little thing, but it used to be that our Friday inspiration episodes got all the even numbers, and somehow with our seasonal break, I got it to be on the guest episodes, which I record all of, and so now I get to celebrate the milestones instead of okay. recording the inspiration. So you know, I love that. Well done. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well, I just introduced you, Holland, but I know that was just uh, your resume. That's just the bullets. That's not who you are as a person. So I'd love it if you could do an introduction of yourself for our audience. Um, uh-huh. Maybe talk about where you developed the passion for human connection or the journey that you've been on to get to where you are today. Sure. Thank you. Well, my background is behavioral psychology, theater, and business. So when you talk about a circuitous route, I mean, this was not a straight shot down the river and I was there. It was that that's not been the the whitewater rafting ride that I've had. Um, You know, like so many, I wanted to be Meryl Streep uh, (laughs) when I grew up. Dang it, she is so good at doing Meryl that there's no room for another Meryl. And trust me, Meryl and I need to have that conversation at some point because I think if she would have loosened up on those accents just a little, I could have, you know, had a good shot. Um, but, uh, right, right. I mean, look, she's she's fantastic. And and things for a while, you know, doing off-Broadway and industrial films and, and working in the business, it just, it shifts like any business uh, shifts. And I found myself at a law firm. I found myself then in HR, I found myself looking at cultural shift, cultural change, leadership styles, cohesion of leadership. And then from there, I started a consulting uh, practice where I transitioned physicians out of hospitals and into the private sector. Hmm. And then from there, it kind of developed into lots of leadership training and workshops and seminars and speaking at conferences. And then uh, I had the idea to write my book. And then, you know, it, it's one of those things. It's it, it's like dominoes, right? And if someone mm-hmm. would have said to me 20 years ago, this is where you're going to be 20 years from now, I would have laughed. I would have said, there's no way, Elizabeth. I'm. That is not what I'm going to do. It's not what I'm going to be when I grow up. And, and I think really the the synergy here is that while the idea was always to be a professional actress and mm-hmm. nothing else, I I think where the true alignment is is it is the reason I wanted to act was about 
uh, you know, it was about getting people to open up the neural pathways, getting mm-hmm. their, their brains to think about a subject, a topic, a political debate, something that we are divided on, whether it is within our society or within ourselves, to really mm-hmm. look at what is divisive and what causes um, contempt in conversations and arguments mm-hmm. in conversations and uh and, and the boiling point to really boil over. I wanted to be able as an actress to bring these exciting topics through, through spoken word and plays and stories um, to the stage to share with people in a way that they walked away. And it's, it, it may not change their lives forever. They may not uh, want to change a political party. It was the idea of having your brain open to going, gosh, all of those people are not quote all of what I thought and, Mm -hmm. and, and therefore let me be more open. Let me be more accepting. Let me be more curious to have conversations with those around me who are different instead of having conversations which are divisive. And, And so what I'm able to do, because when you, when you speak and when you have your own business, you basically are your own uh, screenwriter because you are writing your own content and Mm -hmm. really crafting it to be engaging, to be fun, to be funny. Uh, And then you're directing yourself, uh, you're producing it. (laughs) (laughs) And then, you know, you're, you're starring in your own show. And so in a way I am doing these uh, one woman shows, if you will, (laughs) in a very different way though, in a way that, that again, I did not imagine 20, 30 years ago. And you're doing more than Meryl, so. <laughs> <laughs> we won't tell her. <laughs> I I loved hearing your story and hearing that journey because I could tell, um, partly by the way you spoke and just by the different roles that you described, how you were always focused on people and people's experiences. You know, the idea, especially that, that hit me when you were talking about doctors transitioning out of a hospital environment to a private practice, that would be an incredibly emotionally challenging time. There's a lot of risk associated with it. There's a lot of learning how to basically run an independent business as opposed to being an employee of a large organization. And, um, and that whole connection to people and how people process feelings and thoughts and experiences that really rang true through your entire story. What's even, um, uh, again, a, a, another thread to this to, to share quickly, when I was in grade school uh, and I would finish, I always finished my work first, mm-hmm. and, uh, not, not because I'm so smart, it was just super easy, <laughs> but uh, I would look around the classroom and I would see that the other kids were still working, and so I took it upon myself and I thought, well, gosh, let me help out because I'm, I'm sure they need some help. And so I would get up and I'd start wandering up and down the rows, offering, you know, soliciting my help. And the kids would ask me, you know, questions and the teacher would have to rein me back in. And, and, um, my mom, several years ago, we were going through her garage and boxes and boxes of old paperwork. And she had saved our, our, our report cards and she had um, saved the teacher reviews. And my fourth grade, um, report card said, 
I used to go by Holly in those days and it said, Holly is finally understanding that she does not have to be responsible for the entire classroom <laughs> and all the kids, right? So when you think about that, there, there really is that thread of going back to helping and wanting to understand where people are stuck and how can I be of service to you? How can I help you over that bridge? And it wasn't my job to be the teacher. And yet when we look at, at again, people who have a specialty in business, um, uh, you know, you all do this, you know, with, with sales, you have that specialty. And so people come to you for that, that specialty. And, and when, when we have that, we are, in fact, we are teaching, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so there was, there was that, that thread very early on. Definitely. I love that story. I was a little bit like that. I actually, in um, sixth grade, when I would finish my work early, I went to a very small school. Um, my teacher, who was a relative, I will say, it was my aunt, but um, she would grade my paper and then she would give it to me to use to grade the rest of the class's paper. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely... Stepped in as a little bit of a teaching assistant at, you know, the age right. of 11 at the age of 11. I love it. I love it. Very advanced. Very advanced. Yes. Definitely. So I, I do feel like, honestly, a bit of a diversion. But for most of us, if you were to go back and look at whatever notes the teacher left on your report card from maybe, let's say, third to sixth grade, that is going to tell us a lot about who you are as a person. <laughs> so much. And, and, you know, we are what happens as we get older and we become adults is so much of what we do and the choices we feel we need to make push us away from the truth of who we are. And that's really a large part of my brand and my business with human connection is not only connecting to others and helping others to connect to each other, it is also about helping people to find that journey inward as well. And what that truly means to go back to those threads of what it is you really want. You know, so often in, in business, uh, and, and I'd be curious if you find this as well, that when we really get to the root of, of someone's goals and desires, sometimes it isn't theirs at all. It's their business mm. partners. It's their parents. Um, about uh, six or seven years ago, I was working with a physician and he wanted to make $10 million. And it is, you know, in certain certain physicians, it is, it is very, very doable, uh, to do that based on surgeries mm -hmm. and based on, you know, if you have, uh, numerous practices and you are, you know, the head of, and, and so it, it can happen. And long story short, we were really looking at this trajectory and the most that we could really squeeze out of this was, um, four and a half million dollars. And it was, you know, this is product based. This is there, there was, there was a lot with that. And, and, Long story short, when we really took a deep dive and we looked at what was going to work with his life and make him happier and and drive drive the business and drive him and how much more time and how much more time did he have to give, how much mm. more time was he going to have to give, what it came down to was his father telling him as a young boy, you need to make $10 million a year. That was his father's dream, his father's mm. goal. And he didn't, his father didn't come anywhere near monetizing and maximizing that based on profession. It would yeah. not have allowed that. It was so deeply ingrained. He is also the only boy, uh, this mm. physician. And so there is the carrying on of the name and you might have to, you know, help your mother and your sisters and your, and, and there was, there were all these layers. And when we really looked at things, you know, he's making a really decent living and Definitely. he's, definitely got more than enough if there are those 
unforeseen catastrophes or events that mm-hmm. happen in life. And, and so once we were really able to wrap our brains around that, it really changed how we could do the work together and how he was able then to embrace more of his personal time so he wasn't experiencing burnout. And then also, you know, how he was able to look at business with a different lens, because when you're only look at looking at it, driving money, 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 mm-hmm. there's a lot that gets blurred, right? There's a lot that's left on the windshield that you just can't get rid of. And you don't, you don't have a, a clear view of the road down the head, down ahead. Absolutely. I love the stories that you've shared, because I think that gives people a strong sense of who you are and what it is that you do. Um, and you're all about human connection. So one of the reasons that we're talking now is we're in a time when human connection is very different from how it's typically been. And, um, and a lot of human connections is really challenging. I've heard a lot of criticism of the term, but obviously the term social distancing is basically the opposite of human connection. I was uh, listening, I think it was on a podcast, somebody said, don't call it social distancing, call it physical distancing, because we still need to be social. But um there are there are definite challenges that we're all facing at an individual level, but also at a professional level. And I know you you work with and speak to a lot of leaders. So what are some of the specific challenges that you're really seeing for leaders in these times? What I'm really seeing right now and uh, hearing, and, and I am in agreement and have been saying the same thing as what you heard on the other podcast, it's, it's really not social distancing because we're mm-hmm. still being social. It really is physical distancing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's physical. When we are together, we need to be six feet apart for safety. We need to have masks. And when we are on zoom calls, there is the, right. Even, even podcasts, there is this, this, uh, lack of physicality. I can't walk into the room and shake your hand or give you a hug mm-hmm. or however we would normally greet one another. And so because of that, uh, our brains are suffering. We mm-hmm. are hardwired to, to be together. And Mm -hmm. it is something that we're all missing. And so uh, as a leader and as a member of a team, we really want to make sure that we're taking time to be human during this time, Mm -hmm. human to human, because we don't face to face. And, and, and again, physical to physical is, is somewhat lacking because computers and the software, the technology that's available, um, even though we've kind of broadly labeled everything zoom, right now. Um, and so lucky zoom on, on that, there is something called zoom fatigue and Mm. people are getting really stressed out by, by doing, you know, eight or six or 10 of these a day. It it is very exhausting. And, and so first and foremost, let's do some human to human connection and let's really find out how people are doing. So if, if you are in the C-suite, if you own a business, if you are a leader of a, of a group of people, uh, really check in. And what I like to say to everyone, whether you have the title of leader or not, you are the leader of your journey. You are the leader of your Mm -hmm. life. You are the leader of where your business is going, meaning your career. And so Mm -hmm. we are all leaders and really take that time. So often we're like, how are you? And it's like, okay, great. So let's, all right, this is what we need to do. And we need to look at, and that's really not human to human connection. And the longer that we are in isolation, mm-hmm. the more we're going to need human to human connection with people really genuinely wanting to know, Hey, what did you do last weekend, Elizabeth, you know, share with me, you know, two of your highlights and everyone gets to share what that is for them so that 
we start to bond and again we we build our brains together in the same way that we build our teams absolutely that's such an important concept and i think some of it um, can happen naturally if you have a healthy culture. I know as soon as you mentioned that, you know, the weekend thing, we literally, we have a morning huddle every day and we do it on video. And I will say the fatigue sometimes definitely hits, but it's, it's also really good when you get to see people's faces that you haven't seen in a while. And it's just an internal meeting. And I swear half the meeting, especially on Mondays, is just how people spent their weekends. And if we just went into, here's what I'm working on, Here's what I'm working on. Here's what we need to accomplish this week. That's not the purpose, even though, yes, we do need to align on stuff. But it's so that we still feel like a team. And it's it's so hard, especially because there, there definitely are people on your team who are going through difficult things. Um, it could be you know, very tied to cope. They could be losing a family member or they lost a family member. It could be that they're dealing with kids who would typically be in a summer program or, you know, when, when we go back to school, they would typically be away at school and now they're in the home. Um, it could be that there's, you know, a difficult personal relationship. I had a client who, um, somebody on her team was going through a really difficult divorce and they had to cohabitate through this. Um, and so, you know, if, if you can't, make that human connection if you don't give people space to do that you're you're really limiting their um you're you're just creating more stress for them more difficulty for them you're not giving them that kind of safe place to to open up to whatever level they're comfortable with so it's so incredibly important it is and we need to feel so so what we need to create for our teams is uh, psychological safety and we also need mm. to create that for our clients and mm. and and right now our clients uh, so for those of us who own businesses and everyone listening right we're in business we're all selling something even people who often say to me oh i'm not on the sales team we're all selling something because we're all in this together based on whatever the product is, uh, whatever it is that we have to offer, our offerings. And so why we it's not it's not a dirty word. It's not a dirty concept that we all need to pay rent and mortgage and, and, and have food. These are, these are things that are uh, quite important. And, and so we've, we've also got to create that psychological safety for um, our future clients and our current mm -hmm. clients. And, and so again, we, we build by building relationships, which is the foundation. So at right now, more than ever, someone who is only pushing product, someone who only is worried about food on their table, that is exclusively mm -hmm. it. We can all sense, smell, feel, hear that pops up in our inbox, that conversation starts on mm -hmm. Zoom, and we are all completely disconnected. So we've got a really, th this is a moment, uh, this pandemic is an opportunity to go deeper within ourselves in the areas where we've I guess I'll say we've gotten a little sloppy. We've mm -hmm. taken we've taken relationships for granted. We've taken human connection for granted. The value of really spending time with someone, and we want things to be quicker, right? Because that's that's the culture. Uh, hurry up, hurry up. Let's let's move this deal along. Let's let's move the train line along. Let's let's. It's constantly, especially in larger cities, it's all about quick and fast mm -hmm. and now and. Really, the pandemic is forcing us 
to sit back and it's things are not on our on our time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, when March came, uh, for me, speaking at conferences, doing workshops in organizations and corporations, it came to a screeching halt. And mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, a screeching halt. So some people still went to work and they, you know, perhaps they took a, a pay cut, never comfortable. Uh, for me, it was job after job after job. It was just the conferences were not happening this year. Mm-hmm. And so we all know what that was. And and so it was really about taking that time, realizing there's only so much in my power. There's only so much I can do. And really taking the opportunity to look at what do we need to give in the way of more value? What do we need to do Mm -hmm. for past clients? How do we step up with future technology? What does that look like? And that's, that's a little bit of, of the gift, the silver lining of, of the pandemic. Mm. I, I really, I, 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 that rings so true to me. And I, I really love that concept. You know, even just thinking about how we see that physically. Um, I remember, especially right at the beginning of this, um, the neighborhood that I live in, you could usually hear a certain level of traffic and that just disappeared. And the few times I did have to go out and um, take the subway, you know, and even still now, you, you see hardly anybody on there. And when you see the physical representation of kind of a shutdown of emptiness, um, when you see it in your calendar, and usually you would be yes. traveling, um, when you see it in your air miles and you don't have any, uh, it's really, <laughs> it, 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 it's a good reminder. And I think, as you said, some people, because likely of the situation they're in, all that does is cause kind of panic and I I need to fill things back up. I need the money. I need, you know, the income, I need the busyness and and they don't have time. But if you do have the ability, both um, the skill and the, and, and, you know, enough comfort and space to do it, to actually use that opportunity to reflect and to look at your life, you know, what's working, what isn't, um, what are some things you want to take out of this that you didn't come into it with? Um, what are relationships that you want to change coming out of this? What are ways that you spend your time that you want to be different? Um, what are skills that you want to develop? I know there was a bit of a running joke at the beginning that, you know, we're all going to write a novel and learn how to bake the perfect loaf of bread. (laughs) Maybe that's what you want, but what, what do you actually want for you? And it's, if you can have that time to reflect, it's such a powerful thing. I'm hearing from you a lot about how human connection is about connection with other people, but it's first kind of about a connection to yourself. hundred percent. I, if we are not, in alignment to our own thoughts and our own beliefs because we're not even clear about what those are it impacts our 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 mindset our behavior uh people can you know people can see through when we're not genuine right we've all mm-hmm. had those moments where we're like mm, i don't know if i like him and we're like yeah i know he's kind of like a used car salesman there's that <laughs> right there's that phrase and yet everyone who's just heard that knows exactly exactly what I'm talking about when I use that that example. And, and so, um, we, we've got to really take a look at, uh, the, the choices that we've made. You, you brought up a great point. You were talking about, um, you know, money and looking at that and, 
you know, we've heard for for years. We've heard from uh, so many people. Susie Orman. We've we've heard if you, uh, you know, again, listen to the the you know the money trends and what's happening and the mm-hmm. cost of living and and being mindful about how much you have in the bank. And Americans, uh, again, we're notorious for really spending spending down and not having enough mm-hmm. to carry us through. And so this becomes an opportunity not to shame yourself, not to doubt your capacity, not to be in the woulda, shoulda, coulda, because that doesn't help us move forward. When I work with clients, uh, I always like to look back so that Mm -hmm. we use that to move forward. And, but what I mean by that is when we're shaming ourselves, when we're saying, Oh, you're so stupid. And like, Oh my gosh, I should have done better. And why didn't I? Well, you didn't. However, what back then had you making the decisions? Why did you make those decisions that now you say, okay, they weren't the best. Well, we're here, we're here where we are now. We want to reflect so that we understand where we took a left and mm-hmm. taking a right would have been better for us so that we don't consistently repeat the same um, outcomes over and over again. Because we, we tend to do that unless we really understand and uh, why we've done something. And so again, when we don't do a deep dive on ourselves, we keep repeating. We repeat the same types mm-hmm. of relationships, the same type of, of uh, you know, the way that we move business, the same way we handle our money. And it is over and over again until we really do a deep dive, not, again, not under the umbrella of shame or disgrace, really coming from a place of empowerment, uh, of understanding ourselves better so that we know next time there's a left there, we're going to keep going straight. We're not taking it. <laughs> Absolutely. I think that's a, that's a beautiful rule to kind of set for yourself because if you're going to look back, you look back. If you can use what you see to move forward in a better way. Um, but don't just sit and wallow and look back constantly because that's not generally going to be useful. <laughs> yeah. It's looking back with intention mm-hmm. and, the, and it's, it, it's the intention of what can I do better? Absolutely. Now we've touched on this a bit, but I want to sit on this for a little while. Obviously technology can enable connection, but it also provides a bit of a barrier when it comes to actual you know, human connection. So what are some of the ways that we could be thinking about that, whether it's, um, you know, specific best practices that you have, or even just um, philosophies and concepts that you think are are useful for us as we're, as we're approaching how we use technology um, to enable, hopefully, connection? Sure, sure. So, so again, since, since we are looking for ways to, uh, at, at this point in time, boost relationships, and certainly boost our business relationships, and again, boost our sales and profitability. We all want to be able to support one another and and thrive in business. And so, so first I would ask you to consider and get curious around other ways that mm. you can have these business calls where you don't Zoom people to death. I, I know that when I say to people, hey, uh, are you okay with me having a walking meeting with you? I'd like to be mm-hmm. outside and I'd like to tap into creativity and potentially have ideas of how I might be able to connect you with other people how I might be able to, and 
people love that. They light Absolutely. up and, and suddenly I've got people going, what a great idea. Maybe I'll take a walking meeting too. And then the two of us are, you know, two complete strangers who have now been connected during COVID are having a walking meeting together. And I often joke with people, if it's good enough for Richard Branson, it's good <laughs> enough for me. You know, I think we would all agree that Richard Branson has certainly created brands that have value and he is definitely a, a conscious businessman and he looks for ways to save the environment and he looks for best practices. And so this is someone who really, he does the walking meeting and, uh, you know, you're outside movement. We all need movement. It's, it's kind of like, you know, that saying, what did, what did our parents say? It was, you know, kill two birds with one stone. So you're having, you're having a meeting, so you're conducting business. And at the same time, you're exercising and, and you're moving your body, which our bodies are not getting enough movement. So our brain or, right, we're getting a little stale and stagnant by being chained to our desks and our computers all day, every day, and all night. So, have some walking meetings. Also, another way that we can lighten up a little bit with technology is. Zoom fatigue is real. I know it's become a joke to joke about Zoom fatigue. It is real. People are mm -hmm. getting really tired uh, of being on all these Zoom calls and conferences. And, and the reason is just to share with you, because some people have said, you're right, I'm really exhausted, but I'm used to sometimes doing six meetings in a day and that's a different kind of tired and I feel more exhausted on Zoom. So mm -hmm. this doesn't make sense. And so to those of you, and I know it's many of you, your brains have already gone in that direction, uh, similarly to some of the teams and clients I've worked with. Um, what happens when we are live and we are together is mm -hmm. that we stand up, we have coffee breaks, we have a window potentially to look out of, we have someone that we turn and we maybe have a joke with because we've got a running joke with that pal in the office, or we get up in the middle of meeting because it's been set up where there's um, some snacks in the, you know, one end of the room or there's water and we get up and we get water. And, and that has disappeared. That is not mm -hmm. happening on these Zoom calls and we are scheduling them back to back, mm -hmm. back to back. We don't do that when we do meetings. We, we leave a meeting and while it may be back to back, maybe we go to another floor, we go to another office, we run into someone, we have a 10 minute chat, we come to a meeting a little late. Uh, it's very different now with technology. So give yourself and give your potential clients, your existing clients, a break in that unless they really, really, really want to see you on Zoom, give them the freedom to put, in, put on a headset, put in their earbuds, and to have a meeting in another way. And you will be shocked. You're going to really be surprised when you start to ask people or you start to clarify and say, hey, is it okay if we don't do a Zoom on this one? I'm feeling a little Zoom fatigued. You are going to be so surprised at how many people also admit they're Zoom fatigued. Part of that, if I can just add one more piece here, Elizabeth, mm -hmm. is that we don't blink as much when we are on devices. Ah. And when we're live, together in a conference room, we're bl blinking as if it's normal life because it is normal life. And when we get on devices, we don't blink as much. And so what happens is we get in brain fog quicker, we get dry eye 
We get a little headachey. Um, all of that starts to make us cranky. Decision fatigue becomes an issue. And, and so that's part of what is happening for our brains. So again, understanding bigger picture that it is physiological as well as mm-hmm. people mentally are just feeling drained. When you start to understand the brain-body connection, again, create that psychological safety and the, and, and the, um, the connection in the relationship that I'm here to support you. And part of supporting you is, is honoring that right now, uh, I realize we're all zoomed out. And so unless we've got 10 or 12 or 15 people, we don't need to see each other. It's okay. We know what each other looks like. We can hear it. We can, we can hear and we can laugh and we can enjoy, uh, the same way with our, with our earbuds. Absolutely. Um, I have one of the people on my team, we do one-on-ones every week. And that's one of the things that we've tried to do is to do those as walking meetings. And even just simple things like you describe what you see. I've walked down streets. I've literally lived in my apartment 14 years now. Yeah. which is a, a long time in New York. And I've walked down streets I have never seen before. And it's, it's so fun. And it's, you know, now it's like 95 degrees and, and hundred percent humidity. So I'm doing a little less walking outside, but even just, you know, I I'm sitting in a small room most of the day. And if I can walk into a different room in my apartment, if I can sit at my dining room table, instead of sitting at this little tiny awful desk that I am at most of the time, <laughs> um, every little thing that you can do, that's just that little bit different. It is amazing how much energy you, you feel. Honestly, stand up if you've been sitting down all day and yeah. it, it, you just feel so different. I didn't know that about blinking and that does make yes. a lot of sense, but yes. I, I've been experiencing the dry eyes. So, well, what we're also, there, there've been, there's been research done and while there are, um, certain generations, uh, millennials who tend to very often be on two devices during the day. There are others, again, that's, that's generational other generations who are, who are not. And so what we have now found from some research that's been done is that because we are quarantined, because we are working from home, that it is now cross-generational that people are Hmm. working and using simultaneously to, devices and sometimes three. I will admit so, having done three. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, and you probably don't usually do that when we are out and, you know, moving around the city and going to work in a different physical space. Yeah. It's not, it's not happening as much. And so that is now happening, um, a lot. And because of that, that too, you know, the dry eye, the decision fatigue, we keep switching between, you know, we're task switching, multitasking constantly all day long, which is really fatiguing for the brain Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah. One thing that I learned um, somewhat recently is just they prove it. We don't actually multitask. It's not multitasking. The actual multitasking we do is literally the walking and chewing gum at the same time. It's the stuff that happens kind of automatically. But if, if any of the tasks that you're trying to multitask requires thought, 
all multitasking is, is fast switching between things. And if you're constantly trying to switch between things, you're never getting that kind of deep thought. You're never getting that focus. You're never getting just even the calmness of sitting down and, and doing the same thing. Um, and you also likely are doing lower quality work. I know if I'm constantly interrupted when I'm trying to write an email, I have to read over that email quite a few more times before I send it because it's not coherent anymore. And so um, it's, it's really important to, um, you know, like you said, I, I've definitely sat here with my work laptop and then had my personal laptop to the side so that I could have, um, you know, additional notes or something else. And then I'm on my phone. I'm like, this is ridiculous and insane. <laughs> it, it is crazy. And it gets us very exhausted. And, and you're right. We, again, there's been research done. And when we are multitasking, it reduces our writing to that of a fourth grader or, <laughs> or an adult who is high. So is it you're right? So so imagine you really don't want people opening your emails thinking that you've been in Colorado, you know, on the uh, on the green tour, so to speak. So um, it, it's it's quite uh, interesting how that really does impact. And for those of you, because I know there are some people right now going, "Well, I'm a multitasker. I know I'm a multitasker. <laughs> like maybe they can't do it. I used to be. I really I wore the crown on this. So what mm -hmm. I'm going to say is. Uh, to, to those listening who really don't believe it, I have a challenge for you. And then please email Elizabeth and I. We want to know. And, and here's the challenge. What I'd like for you to do this evening is I'd like you to pick up either a new book or a book that you're currently reading. And then I'd like you to put on a TV show or a movie that you have never watched before and then ask someone uh ask you know a roommate a partner kids who, whoever's around uh if there's no one around do this on zoom with them it's really it's really <laughs> funny to do this that way and then every few minutes have them ask you a question about what's going on have mm -hmm. them ask you well do you think she should or shouldn't and it's should or shouldn't what, you, you know, well, you know, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, she's going down the hall. And you're like, well, uh, it's okay. Everybody should walk down their hall. No, the guy is in the closet with the axe. And it's like, oh, you, Maybe you can't walk down that right? hall. And if you know that the guy's in the closet and you're like, well, of course she shouldn't, the guy's in the closet, then I guarantee you the last few pages or the last chapter that you've been reading in the book, you really don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden you're going to read, you know, you're going to like, Susan, wait, who's Susan, where, where did Susan come from? You know, so we really can't and you know, give yourself that, that challenge to, to see, and, and it'll prove to you that, that really it, it is a myth to be multitasking. Absolutely. I love, love, love that example. And the funny part is this kind of goes back to the autonomous stuff because I can watch something while knitting because I can knit mindlessly, unless I'm knitting a complicated like lace pattern. But there are certain kinds of tasks that you definitely can do at the same time, but that's because it's like processing almost subconsciously in your brain or very differently. But any, if you need to actually think about both of the things, you can't think about two things at one time. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. And that is a different part of the brain. And, and that is something knitting is very methodical, you know, knit one, purl two, knit one, purl two. You only have to say that so many times and it's very easy to remember that. And you're, it's almost as if your hands can do that really. And you don't have to think about it. Right. So, so it's a, it, it's a very different part of the brain that we're using for that. Definitely. And for those of us who want to be doing another thing, who find it, um, you know, it's difficult to just sit and watch something, figuring out if you can 
pick up a hobby, whether it's knitting or, or doing something with your hands that will be kind of mindless, that can be a healthy way maybe to redirect that desire um, instead of, you know, sitting there and playing a game on your phone while trying to do something, which I have also oh, been yeah. um, known to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. Um, I, I will actually, a personal story here. I was talking to a family member and, and actually like over the years, even talking to the same family member, I can tell when she's playing a game, when she talks to me sure, or when she's just talking to me. And yes, the game is not requiring like all of your brain, but it's certainly some of it. And the responses come a little more slowly and you can just tell they're not always following. And then they get a little distracted. And there's a difference of how you are listened to when somebody is trying to multitask versus when they're just actually talking to you. Yes. hundred percent. Now, one thing you've touched on a couple of times, um, lightly, but I, I wanted to maybe spend a little bit of time here because I think it's really important. The idea of fatigue in a lot of different ways, um, you know, the Zoom fatigue, the physical fatigue, um, and just that idea of recharging and how important that is. So can you talk a little bit about maybe how somebody would recognize that they need to recharge? And then what are some ways that people can recharge? What are some different options for people? Sure, sure. Yes. So corporate burnout is mm -hmm. costing employers billions with a B, mm -hmm. billions of dollars annually. Mm -hmm. This is this is really a, a huge issue. And corporate well-being is something that we've really got to start considering putting more funding into within mm -hmm. our organizations and our, our corporations, because we know that when we do that, our employees are happier. We know that they are less stressed. When you are less stressed, you are less sick. You actually use less sick days. Uh, so there, there, there's a whole, whole lot of research around that. And um, really quickly, though, to, to touch on this, uh, mm -hmm. signs and symptoms. Uh, are you experiencing a lot of sleepless nights? Do you wake up a lot? during the night because of stress? Do you feel your heart is pounding uh, in your chest? Do you feel anxiety uh, about, you know, on Sunday, do you feel anxiety about Monday? Uh, mm -hmm. And not just, not just anxiety because maybe you're an introvert and Monday mornings are the team meetings and everyone has to share something from the weekend and that's a little nerve wracking for you. That's not what we're talking about. We're really talking about you dread Monday and you dread going to work. Um, the, that spikes our cortisol, uh, which mm -hmm. is our stress hormone. And then we have anxiety and then we have panic. And so what happens when this uh, is continuous is we end up with high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. we, end up, we end up with um, anxiety and panic people can literally uh, start having panic attacks. I have had mm -hmm. some clients who uh, that has been an, an issue for them as well. Um, we, uh, so managing stress, controlling how it controls our brain, our body, our behaviors mm -hmm. is really important to keep our projects on time and our business moving forward. So um, we've, we've got to start looking at, um, our, our weight can be an issue. You know, if we're mm -hmm. eating, if we're eating a lot of the wrong foods, that is usually from stress. Uh, mm -hmm. when we keep reaching for caffeine and coffee, that is, is very stress driven, uh, losing your temper and snapping at people a lot, being impatient. So, so all of this 
can be us, quote, trying to manage our stress. And, mm-hmm. and so part of workplace wellness, if you will, is really starting to give yourself that self-care and starting to recognize so my heart is pounding fast. What, what is that about? Is, is there something going on with the team? Uh, being able to, to recognize that and then being able to understand within your organization and your corporation what those next steps might, might look like. So, so this can be mat- managed. Physiological impact of stress can be headaches, uh, can be sweating. Again, you're not sleeping. So really looking at this stress and then what you need to do in order to combat. Mm-hmm. So part of it is when we are on our devices 24 seven and we have to consistently be available as if we're dogs at the circus jumping through hoops, <laughs> you know, the way the dogs jump through the hula hoops and, oh, we <laughs> applaud like seals, you know, and we're so happy that the dog does this and it gets higher and higher and all, all of these tricks. We can't be show dogs. We can't be ponies. We've got to be able to have conversations with people where we have to shut our devices off. And I mean, shutting your device off. So part of that is part of workplace wellness and really understanding corporate burnout and those physiological symptoms and the impacts of stress is taking your device out of your bedroom. Because we know from research, Mm -hmm. once again, that when we have our phones in our rooms, even that distracts our sleep and that we don't sleep as deeply because there's always the possibility, there's always the possibility (laughs) that potentially we are going to be needed or someone is going to text Mm -hmm. us or someone is going to do something or need us for something and oh my gosh. So it's as if your brain is staying on alert. Think about it this way. If you left your front door open, I don't just mean unlocked, I mean open, and you went to bed, would you do that every single night? Would you <laughs> Would you do that? And if you did, right? And if you did, you'd be stressed out. And what would happen is you'd stay, you know, you'd stay awake until you fall asleep and then you'd jump and you'd wake up in a way that's an analogy that that's what's happening. We're kind of keeping our mind open for the possibility Mm -hmm. we're going to need our phone when it's in the bedroom. So remove your phone from the bedroom. And for those of you who are already saying, I use it as my alarm clock. I have a great tip for you go buy an alarm clock, (laughs) go to CVS, go to Dwayne Reed, go to Walgreens, go to Target, wherever you live, whatever the store is, get an alarm clock because it makes a difference to help us get that deep sleep, help us get the REM sleep. And we all really need that to recharge ourselves for the next day. Sleep is so, so important. And, you you know, Ariana Huffington has really Mm. uh, made that uh, such a mission of hers to, to share that information. And so sleep is, is critical. So, so this is one way that we deal with, with stress and burnout. And uh, another way that we deal with it is to immediately look at how we're using our devices and do we need to use our devices all day long, every single day. (laughs) And and what I mean by that is where and when can you partner with paper? 
And I'm a huge advocate for some of those longer documents that are just tedious for our eyes. And some of those contracts that are just like, we, it's like we're going to go blind because they go on page after page, printing those out mm-hmm. and really using them in that way and moving to a comfortable chair or potentially outside and marking up the document or making changes in a way where you're not on the computer. So there are these adjustments that we can we can start to do that will help us and start to decrease some of the stress and the impacts of stress that we're we're experiencing. Absolutely. Just even to that very last point that you mentioned, I find that I can read especially detailed stuff so much better when it's written down. And if I'm editing a document, I guarantee you I will find more mistakes and more things to correct on a printed copy than I would on a computer because our brains typically read what we expect to see. And I think we've trained ourselves on the computer to read as fast as we can. I know I read paragraphs rather than words a lot of times, Mm -hmm. and it's really easy to just think it says what it's supposed to say and not realize that it definitely doesn't say that. It doesn't. Yes. And so something about when it's printed out, I look at it more carefully. And um, what you said also about cell phones, they've proven through research. If you have a phone on the table while you're eating, even if it's face down, it impacts the quality of the conversations you have for the negative. Um, You know, if they just have two people sitting at a table and one of them has their phone face down on the table, they're not going to have as good of a conversation, as good of a meal, um, as good of a connection as they would have if both of the the phones were in their pockets or their purses or whatever, you know, um, other space they could be in. So it's, it's amazing the impact of this little, you know, device that we all carry around with us every day um, and how it, it changes us. You're so correct on that, Elizabeth. That is That came from a study called the iPhone effect, where they were studying mm-hmm. uh, conversations and trust, levels of trust. And what they mm-hmm. found is when there's a device on the table, as you stated, even if it is turned over, that what happens is we are not going to those deeper levels of conversation. It stays more surface. Mm-hmm. And then we're not developing and working and deepening that trust. And and again, trust releases for our brain, it releases oxytocin, and that's a socially bonding chemical, and that's a good brain chemical. So if you're experiencing a stressful day and I can help you to release some oxytocin when we meet for coffee, um, you know, as, as we can now some cities can come out and we can be safe and we can be socially distanced and we can sit at kind of opposite. We don't sit across from each other at a table. (laughs) And so now what happens is there is this ability to deepen the relationship because I know you're focusing on me and you know, I'm focusing on you. And so again, uh, you know, in building our relationships and building our business and building our sales funnel, one of the best tools that you can use is to take those devices off the table as Elizabeth brought up and, and by doing that, uh, it's super easy. I, I often say to people, you know, and I'll pick up my phone and say, I'm going to put this away because I mm-hmm. want to focus on you and I want to really make sure I understand your business, what your needs are. So I'm going to put this <laughs> away. And in, you know, like 20 minutes or so, we can take a, we can take a tech break and we can kind of check in. And mm-hmm. nine out of 10 times people will say, 
oh my gosh, that's such a great idea. I love that. I'm going to use it. I'm going to steal that. I'm, and I'm like, great, let's change the world. Take it, give it to everyone. And so then other people put their devices away and they, they follow along. And so yeah. again, we're strengthening our relationships. That, that makes so much sense that it's trust because um, if I feel like you're just waiting for the more important uh-huh. thing to come up on your phone, <laughs> I'm not going to be sharing something valuable and deep and painful or emotional um, or even, you know, really that I'm passionate about with you because I think you're just going to pick up your phone in a second or, you know, look down at your phone and, and tune me out. And so I'm just like, you know, yeah, the weather's fine. And <laughs> you, you hit the nail on the head here, Elizabeth, when you said something painful. And so let's look at our clients because, mm-hmm. you know, every business has a pain point and we are there to help solve that problem, right? Mm-hmm. We hopefully have a solution we hopefully have a, a product or we know a person who does. And so what happens is, even in business, which isn't like, you know, you you mentioned someone, you know, if they're going through a divorce, that's extremely personal. Even having a problem in business, people don't like to admit that, right? It still feels like they're saying I'm getting a divorce. It's so right. The pain (laughs) points and the problems within business are just as personal. So, you know, if we want people to trust us, if we want people to trust us in business, trust us with our relationships and that we can be the person to help them solve their problem, they've got to know we are in it one hundred percent. And the mm-hmm. way we prove that, and it is the, right, the onus of proof, we, we must prove that, especially in a new relationship is we put the devices away. Now we can't force someone else to do that. So if, if they don't, we have to go along with it. I, I will share though, that, um, I was with a CEO a couple of years ago whose phone did not stop. And he said, Oh, I can't put my phone away. So it didn't work. You know, he was that, that 1%. And mm-hmm. uh, he said, oh, I, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm very busy. And he would, the phone would go off and he was texting. And the phone would go off and he's like, oh, I have to take this call. I'm, a, I'm so sorry. And then finally, about 15 minutes in, I said to him, you know what? Why don't you and I reschedule this meeting? Mm-hmm. And he was shocked. And he said, what? And I said, you're not hearing anything that I'm saying. And I really can't have a conversation with you. And I said, not because you don't want to, you came here today. And I said, I love that you made time in your schedule for me. It is clear how much you have going on. I said, however, Mm -hmm. we're not going to really be able to have an in-depth conversation because you're attending to all these other issues and putting out fires. And that's not a good way to, to really do a deep dive on, on your business and how I can help you. And that's why you wanted to have this meeting. And he said, okay, he said, give me one more call, give me a couple of minutes, and then I'm putting it away. I said, done. (laughs) And I said, I'll tell you what, I'll give you privacy. I'm going to go to the ladies room. I said, it'll give Mm -hmm. you more than a couple of minutes. I went to the ladies room, didn't really have to go, but that's okay. Did the exercise to give him a little (laughs) more time. So he didn't feel like a noose around his neck, Mm -hmm. came back. He finished the what he needed to do. And he said, okay, phone done. He goes, do I need to shut it off? And I said, would you, would you, would you shut it off? So it's not pinging, ringing and dinging. Can you, mm-hmm. uh, and he said, okay. <laughs> and then he, 
put it away and he said, all right, I'm completely focused now on you. And then we were able to dive in. We were able to really have that conversation. And it was interesting. He goes, you know, when you said to me about putting the phone away, it was super stressful. He goes, I got so stressed out. He goes, and now I have to tell you after 40 minutes of this, he said, it felt so good. And he's like, I want to work with you because I need to be able to incorporate this into my life because I've got a really stressed out life. And my wife keeps saying, uh, which was his second wife, <laughs> you're going to have a heart attack. You're literally going to have a heart attack if you don't stop. Absolutely. I think um, so many of us can recognize ourselves in in that story. I wish, honestly, that we could keep talking indefinitely because I feel like there's so much more we could cover, but I actually, um, I know both of us do need to go. So, <laughs> a couple more quick questions if you have time for them. Sure. All right. Um, one question I always love to ask because I'm a big reader and I know a lot of our listeners are, is do you have any books that you would recommend to our listeners maybe to take a deep dive into some of the things we've been talking about, or they could just be completely outside this context that you think are interesting? <laughs> Well, uh, there, there is one book. I, I think it'll be great for your listeners, The Science of Selling mm -hmm. uh, by David Hoffeld. And it's a wonderful book and it does talk about psych, you know, strategies of selling around, you know, again, using the brain and engaging the brain. And I, so it, it's, it's, he's done such a great job. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a great book. And then there's another book you may have heard about it, Consciously Connecting. Yes, it's my book, <laughs> A Simple Process to Reconnect in a Disconnected World. And what I will share is this is about having a deeper connection to yourself and others. And it is broken down into the 12 months of the year. Each month has a theme. And uh, so, for example, uh, July of this year, it was all about independence, how you can be independent from poisonous people, how you can be independent from the what-ifs and the shoulda, woulda, couldda's of your life and some of these other areas that impact us uh, both as as people in our personal lives and they impact us in business as, as well and so it's it's looking at uh, again you know September is boundaries and goals and and things like that so it's it's really about um, reading anywhere from one to three pages a week and then setting that intention for the week in a way that this is your behavior. It's modifying your behavior in a way that's positive and fun and doesn't doesn't feel like it's not doable. So it's it's really great to do a deep dive uh, to help you on that on that as well. Definitely. Um, I, I obviously I got so much about out of our conversation today and I'm sure our listeners did as well. And so if the book is anywhere to the level of, um, of the way you communicate verbally, uh, I cannot more highly second that recommendation. Thank um, you. Last question for you, Holland. If you want people to learn more about you, more about your work, maybe if they're interested in working with you, where should they go? All right. So if you are interested in having a conversation of how I may be able to support you, support your team, your business, uh, please reach out to me. I love to hear from people. I love to have conversations, no commitment, uh, because I love meeting people. So regardless of what happens, I get to meet you. I get to talk to someone new. So you reach out to me. My website is Holland, H-O-L-L-A-N-D, Haas, H-A-I-I-S like Sam. So Holland, double L's, Haas, double I's, dot com. Uh, you can reach me email at Holland at HollandHaas.com. And uh, again, if you just remember Holland Haas, you'll get there. There's a page to contact me. You'll see all my information. And I look forward to hearing from, from your listeners. 
Absolutely. I will say you are very findable. So that's yes, I am. I am findable. (laughs) All right. Thank you so, so much for speaking with me today, Holland. I got so much out of it personally, and I know our listeners will as well. Thank you, Elizabeth. This was so much fun. Have a great rest of your day. You as well. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning into today's show. You can find the notes and the resources for everything that Holland and I have been talking about today at criteriaforsuccess.com slash pod 280. Make sure to tune in on Friday for another inspirational episode. And don't forget to check out the blog at criteriaforsuccess.com slash insights. If you did enjoy the show today, please recommend us to a friend. That is the best way for more people to discover the show. And if you haven't yet subscribed, make sure you do that. That way you'll hear every new episode as soon as it goes live. You can subscribe for free wherever it is that you're listening right now. We love to hear feedback. So you can always leave us ratings and reviews in Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, or email us with direct feedback, questions, and guest suggestions at podcast at criteriaforsuccess.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at CFS Playbook. Let's Talk Sales is a production of Criteria for Success and is produced by Ariana Miskell, Laura Marchand, and me, Elizabeth Frederick.